Welcome to the Highland Gospel Mission, a podcast to all nations. Each week, Pastor Keith will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message from Highland Southern Baptist Church to the rest of the world. If you have a Bible, we encourage you to read along and study the Word for deeper understanding. Now, here's Pastor Keith with this week's message. We are going to be in Romans chapter 12 today, again. Um, I only got through a few verses. I want to get through the latter part of this chapter to dig a little bit more into um, where the Apostle Paul was heading when he actually wrote these verses that that I discussed uh, last week. Um, If you remember, the the focus of the service last week was that uh, in every situation that we walk into, we leave that situation better than it was, the same that it was, or worse than it was. And our... Um, spiritual service of worship is for us to be a living sacrifice. Now, living sacrifice meaning everything that goes on in our lives, we may be punching bags at times. But make no mistake, even though we're punching bags, we're never victims. You hear me? Because there's purpose. If there's purpose, then victimhood's something you cannot claim. All right? So everything that we do, there's purpose, but also in everything that we do, there is the difficulty that the world has with what it is that we're trying to accomplish. And by the world, I'm talking about the carnality, the fallen nature of all that is that's around us. The difficulties, really, honestly, as a Christian, everything that creates those difficulties uh, for us, those things are difficulties that God is producing something through us or through someone else, and those circumstances are as they are so that God can continue to accomplish what it is that he wants to accomplish in individuals' lives. If God doesn't have people that are willing to say, Lord, I have sacrificed my own desires, I've sacrificed my own wishes i've sacrificed all that i wanted for what you want what does that how does that manifest itself in the life of a person because make no mistake it manifests itself in the life of a person it changes an individual people begin to live not for themselves but for other individuals and the choices they make are choices that they know are going to impact the other individuals more than it's going to it's going to be a positive impact for us as individuals Whoever told anybody that walking into Christianity just made life easy, they lied. It is not easy to walk. It was never intended to be easy to walk. Can we live in grace and live in in mercy and peace? Absolutely. God's given us those things, but he's also given us responsibility in the midst of it. And I'm going to be honest with you, as human beings, there's no way we accept that responsibility without becoming a sacrifice. Because can a true sacrifice crawl itself off of the altar? Can a true sacrifice have a desire of its own once it has been sacrificed? And this is why, this is why the emphasis in the scriptures continue, it continues to be pointed out that we as Christians, we are individuals who are supposed to die to the old self and live for Christ in the new self. It even goes so far as to say you are a new creation, a new creature. The Bible calls us peculiar. We don't fit. We don't fit anywhere. And the reason we don't fit is because we aren't driven by the motivation of give me the nicer vehicle, give me the bigger house. We ain't driven by the let me eat at the expensive places all the time. The thing that drives us 
is when we see someone who's about to go through a surgery that's a serious surgery. And you allow your heart to be able to feel. Or someone who's going through emotional struggles or addictions or someone who's going through... How many of you guys are in here? Do you, how, many of you think that they're, how many of you think that everybody in here is dealing with at least one thing in their life? never thought about it so I want to say I won't say because I'm on camera but I can tell you that it's exhausting to watch people fight not each other but fight the things in the world that hold them down because if you stop long enough to look, it'll break your heart. Because she's not in here right now, and I'll say this. You can go through the next week and not give one passing thought to Courtney. She's about to have both of her, of her ovaries cut in half structurally repaired and put back together again struggled to have a baby they got one this doctor's given her hope that they could have more but she's got to get through the surgery if you were a mother about to go through a surgery that was that serious what kind of things would go through your mind serious surgery you know what that means right there's always that little possibility that she don't make it out of this little girl terrified of the future what's this going to look like can you engage and not feel it? So engage with the person who's gone through a divorce. Engage with the person who's dealing with financial difficulties. Engage with the person who's dealing with health difficulties. Engage with the person. Why? Because that's who God called us to be. He didn't say don't gossip because he wants to control us and not keep and not let us gossip. He said don't gossip because he knows that hurts other people. As Christians, we're not supposed to desire to hurt other people. But I learned a long time ago, and God himself made this point to me. This was quite a few years ago. Me and God had this conversation. I said, I'm sick and tired of being taken for granted. And he said, well, strap in because... You're in the job to be taken for granted. Sacrifice. Sleep, sacrifice. Eat, sacrifice. Time, sacrifice. Why? Because Courtney's having surgery March the 7th. Because I know what some of your struggles in here are. And when I leave church, I don't get to leave them here. And you shouldn't either. You should carry my burden and their burdens. 
And everyone in here should be carrying yours. And we should be crying for the struggles of the people that we're close to. We should be weeping because of the effect of sin in individuals' lives. Because when we connect with people, that's what gives us the motivation to want to help. Because anybody who thought that church was just supposed to be about some preacher showing up and preaching a message, hoping that you get out of it whatever you want to get out of it or what he wants to get out of it or whatever the motivation of anybody in the, under the sun may be. The fact is, if you whittle it all down to one thing, God just wants us to be love. And you can't love people without attaching yourself to them. Because again, love is not an emotion, it's a verb. Couples come to me and they say, I just don't love him anymore. I'm like, that's obvious. They're like, what do you mean? You're here. It's obvious that you don't love them anymore. But it's not that the emotional connection has detached, it's that your actions have stopped showing love to the individual on a daily basis. You stop loving someone, you become ineffective. But if you love someone, the sacrifice, it can be pretty big. But that's what's necessary in order for people to show and prove what the will of God is. He says this in three, and we're going to read quite through quite a bit because I want to get a little context to get to the passage that we're going to make it to. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Cheerful, cheerfulness. We go further, let's take a look at this. The point he's making beyond this is, the sacrifice that we make should be for the sake of those individuals around us who are sharing in the same type of struggle and us understanding that we are one member of a larger body, understanding that that body supports itself. I'm not talking about financial support. I'm talking about, this is common sense, and I love the fact that he used this, that this is used as a metaphor, because it just, it works pretty great. God gave every one of us a gift, and he led you here with that gift. When he employs that gift, that gift is supporting other parts of the body. If one part of the body becomes wounded, we can call that an individual. If one part of the body becomes wounded, I mean, I don't know if I, I ran over my toe with a pallet jack last week. Those of you who know what it is, it hurt. Still hurts. Um. Imagine how you would take care of that if you didn't have any arms. I always thought, how many of you guys have sore shoulders and wake up in the morning because of the way you slept, you lay on your shoulder around? Wouldn't it be nice to be able to take your arm off? Just hang it up? 
Then it dawned on me one day, what would you take your other one off with? You'd be stuck with one. How much does every part of your body depend on every other part of your body? You ever thought about it? And how quick does it go through those motions? Sitting on the couch, you get hungry. What does your body do? And how many parts of it does it take for them to all work together to get you up off the couch or off the easy chair to walk you across the floor to the kitchen, open the refrigerator, take something out, prepare it? How many parts of your body does it take from beginning to end? Just about every part of your body was required in order to accomplish that. What if your legs just decided to take the day off? The point he's making in these later verses, take a look at uh, at verse, I think it's verse 7. Go back to verse 7. Look at 6. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. This is how a church body shows strength within that body. In other words, if God gave me the gift to preach, but I refuse to to employ that gift, what benefit is it to the body? Still a preacher, still capable of preaching, but what's the benefit if I refuse to do it? So this is one part of the body that is now not functioning. What if we have another one that somebody says, well, my gift is to teach, but I'm not doing it. I know that's my gift, but I'm not doing it. How much does that hurt the body? It's another part, right? Hey, we need nursery workers. Well, I'm not doing it. How much does it hurt? So if you was to take all of the I'm not doing it's in a church and you was to tie each one of those I'm not doing it to an individual body and make that part of the body not function when you're done, what does the body look like? Just how functional is it? It's dysfunctional. So before you know it, other parts of the body that are being parts of the body are being used now to support the parts of the body that are not functioning the purpose that they're supposed to. So now their workload has doubled, which means the amount of work that they're actually doing in ministry has been cut in half. Everything's systematic, folks. I can make you mad before you leave today and guarantee that you'll leave this place and go make somebody else mad. Because that's human nature. That's who we are. The sacrifice is in us being selfish. That's what's supposed to be sacrificed. I mean, honestly, as adults, how much does life really turn out the way you hope it does? Because we always have higher hopes that we know that this filthy, nasty, fallen world is able to deliver. Amen? We've had a God who gave his son and he gave his life to prove that he loves us. And all that he wants us to do is to take as many people to the kingdom with us as we can. That's all he wants us to do. 
And all of us play our part so that this giant machine that is a church that's global, the gears are turning in it and people are hearing the gospel and they're responding to the gospel and people are being helped through the gospel. Breaks my heart to see Satan win. He won't win the war. But he's going to win some battles. And it breaks my heart to watch it. But Jesus is still glorified even in the battles. The ones that Satan has won. Because you see, aside from everything that we see and do and experience, God is still God. When we don't think that he can, it doesn't mean that he can't. When we fall off of the edge and we lose our faith and we believe that he can't, many cases in spite of us he still will but when we allow our focus to turn inward instead of outward that's one of the gauges as when i worked at the jefferson baptist association that was one of the gauges that i used as just how healthy a church was because they always a lot of people gauge a church on how healthy it is based on the number of people that are inside it but let me look at your ministries are you spending more money inside the church or more money outside the church? And we can spend it inside and it still be outside. Like Vacation Bible School is still outside church because it's something we're doing for outreach. You'd be surprised the number of churches that most of the money they spend is inside their four walls. They don't spend it out there. What are we investing in? We know that everything that God gives us, he provides a benefit to us that we get the peace that passes all understanding. Our cheese is going to slide off its cracker once in a while. Hopefully not too bad. But once in a while, we're going a little bit crazy, right? You get a little bit nuts, a little bit over, uh, a little bit overpressured. Thank God that He still puts borderlines and boundaries around us, and in some cases, people go outside of those boundaries. But don't make the mistake of missing the fact that all of those frustrations and aggravations, and your relationship with Christ, those things are very directly linked to one another. It's either trying, this world's either trying to punish you for doing what God wants you to, or it's going to abuse you for doing you for what, what you want to do. You stand before God, being one of his children. One of the most aggravating groups of people. I say aggravating, probably not the right word. In the book of Revelation, Jesus said, I would that you are hot or cold, but since you are lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. And I've always asked myself the question, well, what's lukewarm look like? Because as a fallen individual, you're going to make mistakes, right? But the question is, where do you live? Do you live in a place that costs you nothing? No sacrifice required? Because my question is, if the life you're living requires no sacrifice, exactly how much is Jesus producing through it? And the answer to that question is zero. Nothing. If I have the gift of encouragement, and I don't use it, how much does that affect a person's day in church? 
if I just hug people and have the ability to brighten their day just by a hug. But I walk in with a bad attitude that day and I don't hug anybody. What good was it? Verse 8 kind of tickled me a little. Or he who exhorts in his exhortation. There's a comma in there. What does the word exhort mean? It means to lift up. Or he who lifts up in his lifting up. In other words, you have a gift and you use it. You may not use it the way Jesus intended you to use it, but I guarantee you if God gave you the gift, you're using it. If I was given the gift of lifting people up, people are down in the dumps for whatever reason, I was given that gift to lift those individuals up, you know I walk around and I do that naturally. You've met the people with the gift of encouragement, right? The ones who see you in a day and they have the ability to put a smile on your face. They have the ability to encourage you. They're encouragers, right? Most people, though, walk through the world and they use the gift that God gave them very... It's a shotgun approach. In other words, let's just get a lot of beads and shoot them in one direction and... Cover the whole area with beads, right? That's called not intentional. That's called accidental injuries. <laughs> not intentional. Now, what's the difference between that person who has that gift and just walks through their life not realizing it, but actually putting it to practice? What happens when that individual walks into a church and says, This gift that God gave me? I'm going to start watching for the people who are brokenhearted. I'm going to start paying attention to the people who actually need this gift that God gave me so that I'm not just accidentally hoping that it will spill out on someone when I walk past them, but I'm going to be intentional in its purpose. And it cracked me up because he said it right there. Or he who exert, exhorts in his exhortation, he who lifts up in his lifting up, Intentionality. Any of you ever have anybody walk out without telling you they love you? A spouse? Serious question. Do you believe that they don't? Because they walked out the door one time without saying it? Do you believe that they don't? I'll grant you, it's important to say it. Amen? But if something happens one day and I don't say it, it doesn't automatically default to, I no longer love you. But we save ourselves a whole lot of trouble. Even though I have the strongest argument for it, it goes without saying. To realize that our spouses want to hear I love you before we leave the house. It may not be important to us. 
may not be a big deal to us at all. Maybe a big deal. May not be a big deal. But if it's a big deal to them, it's a big deal. Hurt with each other. Heal with each other. Pray with each other. Work with each other. That's what this connection's about. It's because when all of the chips are down, when everything is said and done, regardless of what you may have done or not done in your life, when all the dust settles, who's really still going to be there? It's your family. No, not necessarily the family that you were born into or born from, but it's going to be the ones who understand the depth of love that Christ had for us and who understand that not one of us came from a different place than the other, that all of us were weighted down with a burden of sin. And that burden of sin has the exact same impact on every one of us. It may, uh, it may show itself physically in different ways, but it is exactly the same. I've said it my whole life. You know what the difference is between me and the guy with a long record? I didn't get caught. Can we really sit where we're at and expect <coughs> to admit that we are better than ever anyone else? You can look at your own life and say, man, what I did was horrible. You think that what I've done wasn't? I know more than anyone else what human beings are capable of. And several times I've been shocked in my life because I did not think that human beings were capable of such things. But I know what they're capable of. God's intention for us is to have the goal every day when we wake up in just touching the world with Jesus. That's all he wants. Leave the results to him. You have to talk people into being a Christian, throw hateful words out to try to make his doctrine known. He's not in that. Just love people. Just love people. We love them in the name of Jesus. The promise has been very simple. If we raise the sun up, he will draw men unto himself. But as long as we're individuals who are trying to be selfish, we don't have time to lift the cross. And what does it mean to lift it? What does it mean to lift Christ? so that he may draw men into himself. Because every time that you have a compassionate thought towards somebody's circumstances, every time that you are provoked to put your gift to work for the benefit of another person, Jesus shows himself. He shows himself. You ask any children's teacher, in just about any circumstance that they're in, 
You then go through one class without seeing Jesus. Jesus is all over them classrooms. Satan might be in there too. But Jesus is all over those classrooms. And he's in your heart. And when you act on that compassion, he, you are showing Jesus to other people. We're speaking the, the understandable knowledge of the things that Jesus Christ brings to the table. All that we're saying is, look, Jesus loves you, and I'm going to do whatever it is to love you beyond whatever it is that you're going through. And whatever you may go through from this point forward. As far as I'm concerned, church has become very judgmental. I'm not talking about Highland. I'm not necessarily talking about specific churches, but I just know for a fact that there are a lot of churches that are out there that have become very hateful and judgmental. You make a mistake, they want to drive you out of the church. Now, I'm going to be clear. We're supposed to follow doctrine. There are rules for excommunication. There are circumstances that apply. I haven't very many times in my lifetime, but there are circumstances that apply. Let's say you excommunicate a person. But you don't start there. <laughs> and a matter of fact, that point is a lot farther from the starting point than most people even begin to imagine it. And the reason it's been very few is because it usually doesn't get to that point. Why? Because people, when people are loved by other people, they're encouraging them to lift them up. They're kicking them in the back pocket, so to speak. When they do wrong, we're our brother's keeper. Being our brother's keeper means that if our brother's lacking in something, we make up for what, they, what they're falling short in. If they're down in the dumps, we try to bring a little happiness into their life. If they're hopeless, we try to bring them a little hope. If they're having financial difficulties, sometimes God even says, here, go help them with their financial difficulty. Because God understands the difference between people who get themselves in trouble and people who find themselves in trouble. There is a difference. I can tell you this, folks. He put us here for this purpose. Those of us who trust in him, we're supposed to be showing him to the world. And we do that more than we do on Sundays. We do that the other six days of the week. I blew up the other day at work. Not at anybody, but I did have a fit. I had a fit. I hadn't had a fit since I've been at Walmart. About six, about six of these employees standing around when I had a fit. I had a fit. What do you think all six of the employees did when I, when I was having a fit? I'm not a boss. I only worked as long as they did. Their eyes are this big around, and they were afraid to take a step. Why? It's not who I am. They've seen this called calm, collected, 51-year-old guy that handled himself pretty good, don't talk back to the bosses. And I blew a gasket. Now, did I say anything wrong? No. Did I say anything with a bad attitude? I meant every word of it. <laughs> I mean it as much today as I did when I said it. If you want to know the story, I'd be happy to tell you sometime. But the point is, doesn't matter what your circumstances are you're still allowed to live within those circumstances you're just not allowed to cross some boundaries because if I was easily crossing boundaries then what does that do to the testimony of the last two months where these people found out that I was a preacher 
the typical church member, they don't have that kind of a cost. But my reputation is everything. It literally means the difference between me working in a vocation that I have invested in for 25 years of my life or not serving in any capacity that the Lord's gifted me in at all. And it takes a long time to figure this out. But these first eight verses, they give us not only the position of the heart that we should be in, but it also gives us step-by-step instructions who we as an individual are supposed to be in order to encourage that body to grow. Now I'm going to give you a little bit of history before we go any further. This is the book of Romans. The Apostle Paul did not plant the church in Rome. The church in Rome was planted by Jews who were eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Rome was 90% Gentile, 10% Jewish. Jews planted the church, but who do you think outnumbered who in the church? 90 city, 90% Gentile, 10% Jewish. Of course, the church is going to be more Gentile than it is Jewish. This creates a conflict. The conflict inside the church, individuals squabbling against each other based on their own theological positions. Hatred, judgment, punishment, jealousy. Everything that could go wrong would go wrong when it came to the human beings who were handling the issues. The Apostle Paul is doing everything that he can to try to help the Gentiles understand what the Jews' role was in the gospel and to help the Jew understand what the Gentiles' role was in the gospel. The two of them may be brought together doctrinally and within their relationship be able to function as a church body. Even though they came from two completely separate histories, teaching them that there was commonality in both of their pasts that linked together and provided the foundation for the exact same gospel. In teaching him this, he's teaching people how to be good to one another. How to be good to one another. Why do you not gossip? Because it's not good to gossip about people. Why do you not go around spreading rumors? Because it destroys the opportunity for relationships. It also destroys other people's reputations based on the words that individuals are sharing it. God's not going, here's my list, I need you to follow it or else. He's not just being some authoritarian like most of us. Well, why? Why? Because I told you to. That's not who he is. Love your wife as I love the church. Why? Because to do anything less than that is giving her less than she deserves. That's the God we serve. Don't gossip. Why? Because that person that you're about to gossip about is going to come to know me next week, but you're about to throw a roadblock in the road and divert that guy so that it doesn't happen. What does God want? He wants to be glorified for who he is. How does that happen? Just be good to people. 
Just be good to people. Keep reading. Read nine real quick. It says in here, nine, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. What's he saying in a nutshell? Be good to each other. Be good to each other. Because I don't think people realize in other people's lives, with all of the frustrations that you have to deal with, the individuals who are around you and are close to you, they should not be increasing the burden. They should not be increasing the pain. They're bearing the burden. They're doing everything they can to relieve the pain. And sometimes that just means them being who it is that God's created us to be as a church. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Oh, there it is! Why? Huh? No outlet, right? All these frustrations in the world. What? Bless those who... I'm fine ignoring them. doesn't say ignore them doesn't say be neutral to them it says bless them here's some information I'm curious what that information is bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse in other words people persecute you do not leave them worse than you found them do not leave them the same as you found them leave them better than you found them that whole phrase works through this entire chapter you have the ability to change somebody's world and the only thing that prevents that from happening is you realizing that you have the ability to change somebody's world. It's the only thing. Because you'll say it with a smile the next time you walk in Walmart. The next time you help somebody lift something in the back of their car or reach something off the top shelf. I don't know if many of you will be asked that, but I'm asked that quite a bit. The next time we deal with that frustration with the person who's pulled out in front of us, not knowing what their circumstances are, because it doesn't really matter what your circumstances are. Because in the end, God still just wants the same thing. He wants people to know who he is. And how do we do that? We do that by being awkwardly strange in today's world. Just simply by being good to people. If you're here today and you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior... I won't stand up here and try to talk you into it. But I will say that if the Holy Spirit touches your heart and you'll know what that is, if it happens, come up here and see me and I'll be happy to spend whatever time is necessary to explain to you the Jesus who died on the cross for you. If you're here today, though, and you're a believer in Jesus, 
This world is maddening, and I keep thinking it might swing a little bit both directions. It just seems to get more maddening. Your lives have to be the same way. The conflict, the struggles, the difficulties. Some people have more than others. Everybody has at least one. And every one of those things try to maneuver us, to make us useless, unimpactful. Don't let it happen. If God gave you a gift, try to figure out what it is. Not that hard to figure out. Like I, like I told you, you're already using it. You just ain't using it the way God intended you to use it. The relationship with Jesus, it's important. And as important as it is to us as individuals, we also have to realize how important it is for the people who have not trusted in Him yet. And the best opportunities for that to happen is for us to be people who are willing to sacrifice ourselves, a living sacrifice, are willing to take it on the chin, allow your heart to hurt a little, feel some compassion, and then just change your world by being good to people, Jesus style. Amen. Thank you, Brother Keith. And for those listening on the podcast, I want to offer that same opportunity to you to come to the never place your trust in Jesus, now is the time to do so. By default, we are all sinners, separated from God, and there is nothing we can do on our own to fix that. That's why God sent His only Son, Jesus, to come live a life without sin. He was put to death on a cross as a perfect sacrifice for that sin. And to seal the deal, He came back from the dead three days later. If you truly believe that and ask Him into your heart, you will be saved. If you're already a believer, this is a great opportunity to recenter your life in Christ. Take these next few minutes in prayer, and I'll be praying for you as well.
Thanks again for listening. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. Have a blessed week and go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link with preaching by Keith Perrin. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.